Blog Talk Radio. Hi, you Shannon. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Brother Michael? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Likewise. And um, folks, welcome aboard. Talk about coming in in the nick of time. I was on the other side of Bali, a place called Nusadua. Um, right. A friend dropped into town. He said, you want to meet? And I said, sure. We did an interview and had some lunch. And uh, God knew all about it because if I had taken a regular taxi back, I wouldn't be here for another hour or two. But I took the scooter, got in Amen. five minutes ago, Brother Michael, with just minutes to spare. <laughs> so, Amen. Well, you're done well. We're here on time, ready to go. Folks, coming up next. Pastor Michael Cummins, here we go. From the front lines of America Babylon and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you're listening to Omega Man Radio with Shannon Davis. everybody that time has arrived this is a live broadcast here on wednesday may 10th 2023 welcome aboard wherever you're tuning in from and we're excited to be back for another broadcast with uh, with pastor michael cummins coming to you from england brother michael welcome back my friend thank you very much it's good to be with you brother michael would you like to open us up in prayer today yes certainly Dear Lord God, we thank you for all the listeners, Lord. We thank you for wherever they're listening from, anywhere in the world. And we'd like to say hello to Mary from Herne Bay in Kent, Sandra from the USA, Timothy from Saxony in Germany, and Christina and her daughter Ariana from Sydney, Australia, who are tuning in today. And anyone else who is tuning in, may God truly bless you. We pray today that the words I speak, the wisdom I hope I impart on you all, will change your lives today and you will have no more problems with Satan. Resist the devil and he will flee and you will all resist him today. I will resist him today. The word of God resists him and we pray for blessings for everyone listening today. Amen. I say amen to that. Brother Michael, welcome. And the microphone is yours. Take all the time you like. Thank you very much. Well, today we're going to talk about the mind is the battleground. When we think about deliverance, many people like deliverance ministers who shout and scream at the devil, shout and scream at demons. But to me, my hero in deliverance was Derek Prince, because Derek Prince always explained the subtle uh, deceptions of Satan and we're going to be talking about that today we're going to be saying the mind is the battleground and let's explain a little bit before we start Satan's attacks on us take many different strategies and one of the most disabling are attacks on the mind which if it's if successful can completely destroy our minds and the peace we are used to in a loving relationship with God. When our minds are attacked, we are filled with thoughts of failure, of heartbreak, of marital breakdown, of relationship breakdown, the losing of our jobs, debt and poverty, disease and death, and the real fear we have, many of us have, that we will be rejected by God on the last day. Our minds then are not at peace and they become filled with worry and anxiety so much that we can become physically sick. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 2 to 6 and I'll read it to you now. He said, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us 
as we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in the readiness to revenge all disobedience when the obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. You see, it states that though we live, our bodies live in the physical world and operate in the material world, that the warfare, our spiritual warfare, we have to engage in, is engaged in the spiritual realms. God has equipped us to fight the spiritual realms where wickedness is in its most evil and the manifestations that come from that spiritual, spiritual realm of darkness are horrifying. And this reveals to us that is our mind that is in the battleground. When your mind is attacked, Satan would want you to think that you have done something wrong, that you are evil, that you are sinful, and that God has forsaken you. That is a lie. Even Jesus in the garden had his moment of doubt and fear, asking God to take this cup from him. But his mind was strengthened and he declared to God, let your will be done. Every Christian at various times of his life will feel his mind under attack because we live and work and we even worship within a sinful satanic world. We can become influenced by this sinful world along with the sinful thoughts and our minds become an enemy within us as stated in Romans 8 verse 5 who would think that our own minds would become an enemy within us well you see when Satan fills our minds with doubt with fear and with sorrow and shame our minds truly become an enemy Romans 8 verse 5 it says for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6 says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Verse 8 says, so then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hallelujah. So when our minds become corrupted by Satan and we're living in the flesh and we're thinking of fleshful things, we're thinking about money, we're thinking about women, we're thinking about sex, we're thinking about all the things that the world says, <clears throat> excuse me, we're thinking of all things that the world says is natural. And they say there's nothing wrong with it. But so Satan will attack our minds with the things. He won't attack our minds always with evil, with demons and evil spirits and, and wicked uh, nightmares, though some of us may have that. But we have these carnal thoughts, these worldly thoughts. And sometimes we've, we have had from birth within this fallen world. If our mother and father wasn't Christian, and they were sinful, and they played with the occult, they watched pornography, that can transfer to the fetus, and we can be born with this mind which is sinful. If we feed our minds with rock music, and music with explicit sexual or violent lyrics, by reading books based on humanism and the power of the human spirit, and watching TV, films and videos that are blasphemous and anti-Christian, we are in trouble. Even the highly educated university types, the analytical mind can become the enemy of God and often is. 
because people refuse to accept in the Bible. They're always searching. Many, many years ago, I had a dog called Lucky when I was a child. And we used to have a tree in the garden, a cherry tree. And he used to run around this tree in the summer all the time. He used to run round and round and round and round. And then he got tired and he laid down for a few minutes and he got up and he ran round and round, usually the other way. And later on in life, I used to think to myself, what does that mean? And to me, this reminded me of an analytical person who's never willing to accept the truth, who's always looking to search for further data, for further detail. Satan loves that. You know, in the Bible, think of the most simplest scriptures. I will never leave you or forsake you. We need to accept that because that's a spiritual truth from God. But sometimes these peoples will search the Bible and they will look for instances that they can highlight and say, I can tell you a time where God left his people. And these people are dangerous. They're dangerous to their self. They're dangerous to others because they can influence others. And that's what Satan does with the mind. I have a simple faith. I believe everything God has ever said in the Bible. I don't doubt anything at all. Sometimes I'm shocked by things that I read. And I ask, why did you do that, God? What was the reason behind it? But once I've read it, the Holy Spirit has told me the reason behind God's actions. And I will never query it again. And I will never doubt. Many people trust in the power of education, degrees and certificates, but that is little protection from Satan and evil. To be honest, I left school at 15 without any educational qualifications. I engaged in a life of living on my wits, living on petty crime. Uh, my only interest was 1960s music, soul music, Motown, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, football, cricket, and boxing. Uh, I went to the cinema a couple of times a week. I used to see war films. I used to watch violent gangster movies. Uh, I boxed. I played sport. And I went to discos three times a week because I saw discos as the place where you could meet the opposite sex. I had a total carnal mind that had to be transformed and renewed. To be honest with you, the only book I've ever read, apart from a few small gangster books, uh, I remember reading a book that came from Glasgow called No Mean City that was about a rough area of Glasgow in the 30s called Easter House, written by a guy called Johnny Stark. It was a book about gangsterism and violence, and I love that book. I, I read that, but the only book I've ever read through is the Bible. And that's the only book I've ever been interested in. I do occasionally read books written by people like Derek Prince and other people of the past, but the Bible is my book. Let's have a look at Romans 12, verse 2. It makes it clear to us. It says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transferred but." Trans, forgive me, I've said it wrong. It said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, I heard a man on the radio say today, and he was preaching on, without holiness, no one will see God. And when we come to the Lord, we have to try and perfect a new way of life, a holiness way of life. Our minds must be renewed to meet the perfect will of God. And it starts by all of us to recognize God as the creator of all things in heaven and earth and to recognize Jesus as God incarnate who came to at first to save the lost sheep of Israel, then the whole of mankind through his wonderful sacrifice on the cross. That's where we have to start. You see, 
the analytical mind may question, well, is Christianity the true faith? What about Hinduism? What about Buddhism? What about Islam? To keep the devil away from you, you have to have absolute truths. And every day I say when I pray, Glory to the Father, glory to the Son, glory to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be. Whole life ever eternal in Jesus' name. I say that every day because that's what we have to believe in. That keeps Satan away from us. When we start doubting and we start reading other books by other authors that are quasar-Christians but believe in other faiths, we're in trouble. That is the start of the transformation. We need to start by feeding our minds with godly things to replace the carnal and the worldly thoughts we have. When we speak of strongholds, we speak of things that can be very difficult to remove. Let us look at some strongholds. The most damaging being pride. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at Proverbs 16, verses 18 to 19. Hallelujah. Proverbs 16, verses 18 to 19. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus and we glorify his name. Hallelujah. You know, these things need to be dealt with and they need to be dealt with on a regular basis. We could never sit there and believe things are all right if we're thinking these things. Hallelujah. Proverbs 16, verses 18 to 19. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Hallelujah. Better it is to be of a humble spirit, which the lowly then, to divide the spoil with the proud. You know, we know that Jesus opposes the proud. He lifts up the humble. There are various types of pride that we may have that Satan will manipulate to bring division amongst believers. The first one's denominational pride. Let's give you some examples. I am a Catholic and we are the only true religion. I am a Pentecostal, and because we speak in tongues, we are closer to the Holy Spirit. And I am a Seventh-day Adventist. We will go to heaven because we keep the true Sabbath. Denominationalism, if abused, is a recipe for division, and Satan loves that. Hallelujah. I remember telling you a story many years ago. Well, not many years ago, about five years ago. I had a phone call from a Scotsman and he told me the story that his mother, uh, he lost his father and his mother remarried. And when she remarried this man, he admitted and declared that he was a warlock and he was high up in the occult. This young man was a Roman Catholic, a very strict Roman Catholic, and he opposed him. And his stepfather said, when I die, you're going to be in terrible trouble. Demons are going to come and torment you night after night and attack you. And thus said, thus done. When his stepfather died, he was attacked every night. He was lifted out the bed, thrown on the floor. He was poked with sticks and knives. He was shouted and screamed that he'd get any sleep. And uh, he was terrified. And he called the Catholic Church and he had three Catholic priests come into the house to do exorcism on his house and on him and it didn't work. He even had a bishop come down and do exorcism but it still didn't work. So for some reason he rung me up and I said to him, look my friend, before we do anything else, there's one thing I'm going to tell you to do. And he said, what's that? I said, I'm going to tell you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. He said to me, I don't need to do that. I'm a Roman Catholic. So I said to him, what well, you believe that being a Roman Catholic will protect you from Satan. Just the fact that you're a Roman Catholic. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, before we go any further, I want you to say this prayer after me. 
and I was getting him to say the sinner's prayer and repent of his sins. He refused to do it, and he put the phone down. A few days later, he rang me back, and he said, are you going to tell me not to be a Catholic? And I said, I'm not going to tell you what faith or religion to follow. That's down to you. You've got to speak to God. But I will tell you that you need to be born again. And with that, he got angry, and he put the phone down again. About a week later, he rang me and he said, okay, I'll do what you tell me. And I said, I want you to say this prayer. So I got him to say the sinner's prayer and he agreed to do it. And a voice come out of him and it was the voice of Satan. And I said, who are you? And he said, I'm Lucifer. And I said, you're not Lucifer. You was Lucifer in heaven. You're earth now. Now you're cast to the earth. You're Satan. And he said, Michael, if you stop doing this work, I will give you anything you want, money, fame, fortune. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me. And with that, the man started vomiting profusely, and he got set free. You see, Satan was playing about with this mind. He was saying to this man, you're a Roman Catholic. You don't have to go through this deliverance. You come from the premier Christian religion. And that's why denominationalism is so dangerous. All of us should be one in Christ, but many of us are not. Many of us won't mix with people of other faiths. I pray for anyone. I pray for Jews. I've even prayed for Muslims in the past. The first deliverance I ever did was on a Muslim woman. Let's have a look at Acts 2, Acts 2, verse 22, and see what it says. Hallelujah. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God, amongst you by miracles and signs and wonders, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Hallelujah. Jesus is our Lord. It all starts with Jesus. Whether we're Catholic, whether we're Protestant, whether we're Pentecostal, Baptist, whether we're Methodist, it all starts with Jesus. National pride is another destructive form of pride. We, born-again believers, are people of the Spirit, an army of the Lord. That's what we are, an army of the Lord. We used to sing that wonderful song, I hear the sound of the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. We used to sing that. Let's have a look at 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. Though therefore endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you're a soldier of the Lord, then we march forward with the cross of Jesus before us and we raise that for victory. I remember many years ago a family whom I visited to bless their home and bless them and to do deliverance against demons and curses that had been placed on them in their previous country. Myself and Janice had worked very hard with them. All of a sudden, the mother stated that they would not be attending church because a pastor was coming to Britain who came from the region they used to live in in Nigeria. I saw it as a lack of loyalty. This man hadn't prayed for him. This man hadn't done anything for him, but me and Janice did. But you see, they had this national pride that they never came to church on Sunday. Instead, they went to see a man who they didn't know, knew nothing about, but they went to see him simply because he came from the region where they used to live. People must not stick up for their fellow country, people, or denomination for the sake of it. 
or keep quiet against sinful things they see going on in the church simply because the sinful person is a fellow countryman or woman. We mustn't do this. This is not right. Let's have a look at 1 Timothy 5, verse 21. It says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another. Do nothing in partiality. Do nothing in partiality. And a lot of the time, we had an instance in the church recently, there was things going on that I didn't know about. Uh, I had suspicions I was going on. But a lady who did know it, who should have told me about these things, she had a particular friendship and affiliation with this woman in the church, and she held back and didn't tell me because of her friendship to this woman. She showed favoritism. And when it all came out, it was very, very nasty. Now, I had to deal with lots of problems. Let's have a look at Galatians 3, verses 26 to 28. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? We're all the children of God, whether we're black, white, yellow, red, wherever we come from, whatever our economic status in the world, we're all children of God. And when we come together, we're supposed to come together to be one in Jesus Christ. Let's read this again. Galatians 3, verse 26 to 28. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as you have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Jesus Christ. We're all one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Various types of pride lead to prejudice and racism. The Nazis were able to convince a mostly Christian, Protestant and Catholic country to largely hate Jews, sufficiently to exterminate them in gas chambers. You see, prejudice, if not removed, leads to preconceptions about people and their races. People believing they know the truth when all they know is a lie. They don't know the truth at all. All they're doing is listening to Satan's lies. In Nazi Germany, Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's propaganda minister, was able to paint a preconception amongst the German people of the dishonest, deceiving, immoral Jew. Once these preconceptions were deeply rooted in the minds of Germans, it made it easier to kill the Jews and other people deemed to be inferior. If you feel angry when being approached to talk about any of these subjects, maybe it's time to see if there are any strongholds operating in your lives and they are hindering your walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. They truly are. Anyone who's hearing this thing now, you can always bring anyone who is a racist. I know that there's racism in the church. I know that there's denominational differences within the church, and we really need to deal with them. When Jesus comes back, Jesus is looking for a people who are not prejudiced against anybody. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let's have a look at Psalm 119, verses 130 to 135. Hallelujah. And there we go. It says, The entrance of thy words given light, if given understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, 
and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so I will keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. That's what we have to learn. We have to learn that. We have to learn God's statutes. You know, we can be exemplary Christians. We can serve in the church. We can be, we can give all our tithes. Excuse me. We can do all the things that a Christian is supposed to do. But if our minds are filled with bigotry, racism and prejudice, we won't make the kingdom of God. So now is the time to do it. Let's have a look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Hallelujah. I remember talking to a Baptist pastor years ago who asked me to preach at his church. He was a very nice man. And he said to me, we were talking about healing and we were talking about deliverance, And he said to me, this man, his name was Gary, and he said, Michael, I'm not interested in anyone who has the gifts of the Spirit unless they have the fruits of the Spirit. And that's very, very true. We know what the fruits of the Spirit are. They're peace, joy, love. If someone's operating in the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't have any peace, what are they actually doing? So, let our minds no longer be the tool Satan uses to bring hatred, division, or prejudice in our speaking. Thinking, the ability to judge others. We shouldn't judge. One of the most wonderful scriptures in the Bible, it says, why do you look for a speck in your brother's eye when there's a plank sticking out of yours? Very easy for us to judge others. We judge people by the way they look, how long their hair is, whether their clothes is shabby or smart. We judge people by these things. But we should be judged first because the Bible teaches us, judge not or ye be judged. Remember, all of us have to stand before God. None of us can avoid that day. And we've got to put things right now. It's not what we say. It's not how we behaved. But our minds should be pure of all the things that Satan would bring to destroy us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must humble ourselves before God. Pray and seek deliverance. And through prayer and God's word, we can destroy the darkness that Satan loves and promotes. Satan aims to use our minds as a means to destroy us. The more fervent we are in the Lord, the more the attacks will intensify. That's the truth, you know. When you're fervent in the Lord and Satan's coming after you, it means you're doing things for God. It means you're on the right path. If Satan don't attack you, that is because he doesn't need to attack you because you're doing the things he would want you to do. Hallelujah. But when you start sorting things out in your mind, sorting things out in your life, Satan will come against you. Hallelujah. Satan will designate particular demons to attack the mind. Don't hide from the strongholds. Face up to them and recognize. I had preconceptions as a boy regarding Germans and the Japanese built on stories I had heard from the Second World War. I truly believed them. And I thought these people are evil. And I remember we had a half German boy in our class. His father had come back from Europe, from Germany, and he brought a German woman with him. And, uh, he had married her, and this kid was very loud, very strong, very physical, and I always used to try and pick a fight with him if I could, because I generally didn't like him, and I realized I was being racist to, the, to this boy, and that's what I was being, I was being a racist, I admit it now, hallelujah, let's have a look at Joel, the book of Joel, 
22, verse 32. And it says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said. And in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. There is deliverance. We will receive deliverance. Call on the name of the Lord. When you feel your mind is under attack. Now there is a scripture in the Bible. Which I'm going to read today. And a story in the Bible. That you might think. What has that got to do with racism? What has that got to do with prejudice? What has that got to do with the mind? But I'm going to read it to you today. And everything will become. It will come to to you. And you will realize what I'm trying to get at. And that's the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to read it to you now. You can find it in Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. This wonderful parable of the Good Samaritan. Hallelujah. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And the answer instead, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbour as thyself. And he said unto them, Thou hast answered right, this when thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbour? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed him, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he had saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Hallelujah. Jesus teaches us in verse 30 that the man attacked was probably a Jew as he traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. The attack was so bad he was left for dead. The first man was a priest who crossed over and walked on the other side. We know, we know that uh, he could have, we might know the reasons why he refused to stop. We might know from the Bible. To help, some religions have this conviction that a man was already dead, and by helping the man, whom he may have thought was already dead, to touch him would make him unclean for seven days. Let's have a look at Numbers 19, verse 98. Sorry, Numbers 19, verse 11. Let's have a look what it says here. You see, the priest was aware that he didn't want to break any of God's laws. So Numbers 19, verse 11 says, He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean for seven days. The Levite did the same thing, maybe because of the same reasons, a Levite being the assistant of the priest. But the Samaritan looked upon the injured man and had compassion on him. Like Jesus had in Luke 7, verse 13. Let's have a look at Jesus' compassion in Luke 7, verse 13. Hallelujah. Jesus had compassion, and he had compassion on the woman whose only son 
had died. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. So those who were following Jesus, not following Jesus on religion, but on compassion. The good Samaritan bound his wounds with oil and wine and took him to the inn and paid the bill for his stay and for his restoration. Why did Jesus use this parable? The Jews and the Samaritans were fierce enemies and did not usually converse or communicate with each other. The Jews had an ongoing food with, feud with the Samaritans following the time they returned from Babylonian captivity. When King Nebuchadnezzar arrived to take most of the Jews to Babylon, he replaced them with other conquered people from other nations, people from other Middle Eastern regions he had conquered. Not every Jew was carried off. The elderly and infirmed were left, looked after by temple scribes, who moved onto the lush plantations in Samaria. Along with the able-bodied, they intermarried with these other peoples who Nebuchadnezzar had placed there, making the Samaritans a mixed race, no longer a pure Jewish race. The Samaritans lived basically on land that had been given to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Seventy years later, when the Jews returned from captivity, the Samaritans helped the returning Jews to try and rebuild the temple. The Jews dismissed them, calling them half-breeds and would not allow them to use the temple to worship God. I remember when myself and Janice got married and we had our honeymoon in Jerusalem in 1997. I remember talking to the tour guide and I asked him these questions. I said, where are the Samaritans? Where do they live? And he basically said, well, you don't want to worry about them. They're all half-breeds. They're all intermarried. I remember that's the first thing he said to me. And I was shocked by that. And you could see the prejudice that is still against the Samaritans. Hallelujah. The Samaritans built their own temple and worshipped on Mount Gerasim. The feud grew. And by the time of Jesus, Jews would rather cross the River Jordan then travel through Samaria. Jesus used this parable to shame the Jews for their unforgiveness and prejudice. The Samaritan, a man of compassion and mercy, also as spoken of in Luke 17, verses 12 to 16. Let's read that. Luke 17, verses 12 to 16. And as he entered into a certain village, there met ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks, as he was a Samaritan. After that wonderful healing from leprosy, the one leper came back to give testimony was a Samaritan. He wasn't a Jew. So you see, the Samaritans were blamed. I've been told also, by Jewish people, that the reason Jews were taken into captivity into Babylon because the Samaritans did a deal with the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar and basically gave up the Jews. And so there's that much animosity even today. But one leper came. So when we think about the lawyer in Luke 10, verse 25 to 26. He thought he was a clever so-and-so by asking Jesus about the law. He knew the answers anyway. 
but he was trying to show himself to be clever. What is that doctrinal arrogance, doctrinal pride? You see, we're not talking about demons so much today. We're talking about the subtle ways that Satan operates. Remember Jesus when he was on the Mount of Temptation, how Satan tried to trick him. Then he turns around and says, when he took him to the pinnacle of the temple and told him to jump off, he reminded Jesus that the word of God said in Psalm 91, he will give his angels charge over you to lift you up so you don't dash your foot against a stone. I was preaching on Sunday in the church and we was talking about the Appalachian Christians in America who have interpreted the end of Mark 16 and they pick up snakes and handle snakes. And in some cases, they let diamondback rattlesnakes and copperheads bite them. To me, that's not faith. That's testing God. You see, Satan wants us to test God. Because if God then doesn't rise to the test we've put in front of him, Satan can say, see, God's not interested in you. God doesn't care about you. God won't save you. So all the time, Satan is trying to deceive us. And this lawyer in Luke 10 verses 25 and 26, who's asking Jesus these things. Let's have a look what he asked Jesus again. Hallelujah. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He knew what he had to do to inherit eternal life. But he had to ask. He had to make a name for himself. Hallelujah. And he said unto him, after he said, and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, as thy neighbour, and thy neighbour as thyself. And Jesus answered him, Thou hast answered right this do, and thou shalt live. You see, he knew that anyway, so he didn't have to say anything. Hallelujah. Verse 29, And he, being willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus told him the story of Samaritan, that not the priest or the Levite were merciful because they was worried about being contaminated by a dead body because probably this man wasn't moving and might have been bleeding profusely. So, they decided to pass by on the other side. So Jesus says to this lawyer, he tells them the story of the good Samaritan. And he's suggesting that the Samaritan is his neighbor. Hallelujah. And when we hear about the Samaritan, especially the one leper out of the ten who came back rejoicing, praising the name of Jesus, we see that he was truly our neighbor and we can see this this happened in rwanda when there was a war between the tutsis and the hutus you know there was mass carnage and there was mass genocide a lot of the people that were captured in the hague and put on war uh, crimes trials were actually christians some of them were catholic priests and though they were should have been born again and they should have been worshipping Jesus and they should have loved their neighbour. They committed genocide. And you see, that's what Satan does when he gets into your head. You know, when the Antichrist is revealed in the world, he will try and convince you to hate your fellow man. He will try and convince you that you're superior that you're more intellectual, that you're a better form of Christian. And remember, he won't banish Christianity to start with, but he will infiltrate the beliefs of Christianity and turn them around. That's why our minds have to be sharp and our minds have to be tuned 
to the name of Jesus. Be not like this lawyer who really was prejudiced. He had a preconception about what he thought Samaritans were. Jesus knew this. I believe Jesus read his mind. And when Jesus read his mind, he gave him this story. He was a clever so-and-so. He didn't expect what he received from Jesus. Being told to set aside his prejudices and preconditions, the way he thought about Samaritans, and how he had to renew his mind, as the good Samaritan did. You see, the good Samaritan, he could have touched that man who came down from Jerusalem and Jericho, who I believe was a Jew, and he could have said, get your filthy hands off me, Samaritan. We're to have nothing to do with you. But the Samaritan was the only man there. He was the only man with wine and oil to bind up his wounds. The priests have walked by on the other side of the road. Hallelujah. So you can see what was learned by that. To me, it's a great parable, a parable of goodness, a parable of kindness, a parable of compassion. But it also shows us that what we learned in the Second World War, we weren't alive, but what the generation before us learned is we mustn't have preconditions about people. We mustn't fill our minds with bad stories. We mustn't fill our minds with these things. We should fill our minds with goodness. And we should learn that all people were created, created equally by God. I want to tell you one story, and I learned this in the Anglican Church many years ago. I went to the Anglican Church near me one Sunday morning, and there was a Nigerian preacher that was there, and his name was Winston. And he told this story. And they were basically all English people in the church. There was a few black people. And he said a story in the days of slavery in the Caribbean in Jamaica. And he said there was a sugar plantation there. And there was an English uh, preacher who came to the town. And one particular man asked if he could on Sunday afternoon go and watch this man preach. And the master of the plantation let him go. And he went to see this man preach. And he was transformed when he heard this man preach. And he came home filmed with the Holy Spirit. And the English preacher had said to him that he was now free. That he was delivered from captivity. And the chains of his captivity were now broken. He went back to the sugar plantation and he knocked on the door of the master and the master came out. And the African slave told him of what a great day he had had a great time listening to this English preacher who was visiting and how he had been transformed by the things his preacher had said. And he said, he told me, I am free. So will you set me free, please? And with that, the master went into his house and he got some paperwork out of his drawer and he bought it to him and it was a bill of sale that he had when he bought this man in the marketplace and he said you may be free the preacher may have told you you were free but there you go I own you you're not free at all and the man walked away very very disappointed but you see his transformation wasn't just for a day he became an exemplary slave and he treated his fellow slaves and everyone, even people who mistreated him, he treated them with respect and love. And some years later, the master was so impressed by this man that he gave him his freedom. So sometimes, you know, when people treat us bad, or maybe they don't like us. Many people have disliked me. Before I came to the Lord, I vowed to take revenge on them all. That's the way I vowed. I vowed to take revenge on them. But when I became born again, I gave up all that revenge. Gave it up. It's not worth it. All it will do is vengefulness is get you into hell. So I gave it all up. 
and I believe I was transformed by the renewing of, of my mind. And that's what led me to go into deliverance ministry. And I've seen some miserable souls who were being so tormented by the devil. I still have people ring me now who were so tormented by the devil. But God has led me to work on setting these captives free, and that's what I will do. The best way I can love them and have compassion on them and take care of them, no matter who they are and where they have come from, is to see that they're delivered, to see that they're healed. So remember your mind. Be careful what you read. Be careful what music you listen to. You know, I've got over a thousand records in my cupboard under my stairs. I don't listen to any anymore. I listen to Christian music. If I ever listen to loving music, I listen to something that is very, very lovely and kind. Hallelujah. I listen to it. And I don't listen to things that are going to corrupt me. I turn overnight. You know, I've got a television in the bedroom. And sometimes I wake up, the pain in my feet is so bad it wakes me up. And when I wake up, I turn the television on. Well, I'm really ashamed of what British TV puts out now. There's programs about nakedness that come on early hours of the morning. Naked and Afraid, where they drop people completely naked into dangerous parts of the world, where there were snakes and crocodiles and this sort of thing. Uh, you know, and there's naked, there's people who stand there naked and they pick people, a bit like a dating, a naked dating show, and they put all this stuff on. And we mustn't watch it. I flick through the channel very, very quickly because I never know what I'm going to see. And I get round to the Christian channels. And a lot of the time I find a Christian radio station and I just leave it on all night. And it helps me get back to sleep, helps me to conquer the pain. So our minds have to be conditioned to the ways of God. And we must tell the devil to clear off. We don't want anything to do with him anymore. I hope that's helped some of you today. The mind is truly the battleground. And Satan wants to come behind our defenses and get round the back of where our strengths are and weaken us by sin, sinful thoughts, racist thoughts, pride, proud thoughts. And we must have nothing more to do with him. I thank you for listening today. I hope you liked this program. And truly, truly, I look forward to bringing you another program next week. Thank you for listening. Amen. Brother Michael, what a powerful teaching today. Folks, we're live with Michael Cummins, pastor from England. What would you like to title this episode for the archive? Uh, well, I did have a name for it. Uh, the battle, the mind is the battleground. I love it. Uh, my friend, before we close in prayer tonight, I want you to give out your contact information. How can people find you and how can they support well, your ministry? Well, if you wish to contact me, you can contact me on Frame, F-R-A-M-E, Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, all one word, 123 at AOL.com. Uh, you can contact me. You can send me details. I'm on Skype if you need prayer. Uh, I get plenty of people contact me on Skype of late who need prayer, and I'm happy to do so. Uh, also, the church that I pastor is in northwest London, northwest six. It's called Kilburn, which is K-I-L-B-U-R-N, Kilburn Christian Fellowship. Uh, if you go on there, there are over 60 teachings on deliverance and healing and lots of things that you can listen to uh, you can contact me anytime you wish I have a PayPal account on my email address framecummings123 at AOL.com so if you wish to support the ministry I would be delighted if you would do so you can contact me at any time I am happy 
to help you if I can. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, I say amen to that. My friend, an honor to work with you. And uh, you mentioned Winston folks. I knew Brother Winston. He was a great man. We had the opportunity to work together. Uh, doing some programs. Sure do miss him. And um, folks, I really uh, treasure this time with Pastor Michael Cummins every week. Same time, Wednesdays, 6 a.m. Eastern. That's 11 a.m. in UK. And uh, Brother Michael, would you like to close us in prayer today? Yes, certainly. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray that all our minds no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed to your word, your anointing, the name of Jesus. We pray that all evil will leave our minds. We will not be corrupted by Satan any longer, and we command him to leave now. We pray that our minds no longer be conformed to this world, but be conformed to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we pray now, Lord, that anyone tormented will be delivered now. Listen to what we've said today and receive your deliverance today. In Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name, amen. I say amen. Brother Michael, we love and appreciate you. See you next week. See you next week. Look forward to it. God bless you. Me too, brother. God bless you, my friend. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, that was Michael Frame Cummins. Um, welcome tonight. Okay, that was our early bird show. We're going to be back here in a bit. Uh, probably take an hour break. Come back. And uh, tonight we've got some great programs for you. Speak My Word. Pat Roach, John Gogan, Paul Allen, and uh, something really special took place today. Uh, Pastor and exorcist Jay Bartlett, who's been in ministry for many years, uh, him and a few of his team members uh, were in Perth, Australia last week, and he called me up and said, hey, you still in Bali? So let's meet. And he said, the Lord put on his heart to drop by Bali first person I've met here uh, from the states that I've worked with in the past and I got to meet brother Jay and brother Rory and another brother and um, we fellowshiped uh, from early this morning until late afternoon talking and uh, got to do a interview together it was awesome it was a great opportunity to meet these men of God and um I'm going to be sharing that program probably with you tonight. Um, it was a miracle. I was over in the Nusadua area, about an hour out from Denpasar where I'm living. I sure am glad that I took a scooter taxi because if I had gotten in that car, man, I would not have made it. We hit traffic, and I praise God I was on the scooter, and I made it here five minutes within showtime. Talk about the Lord helping me out. So we're able to do our first program tonight and uh, I've got the interview saved on my phone and I'm going to work on getting it offloaded here in the next hour or so and try to play it for you tonight so let's take an hour break we will be back plenty of shows coming up and uh, I'll get this one posted as I got uh, yesterday's programs posted we are on a new schedule okay we're on every night Monday through Friday 8 a.m. Eastern till we finish and uh, I hope you're enjoying this new schedule. Um, we're going to have a great time in the Lord. Many great programs for you. I'm working on getting new guests as well. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Uh, my website, omegamanradio.com. I encourage you to go there. You can find ways to listen to the show, ways to download the programs you miss. Uh, we are streaming live on Blog Talk Radio, MixLR. You can listen by phone, 319-527-6080. If you want to download the MixLR app, you can do that. And then if you uh, sign up for notifications, anytime we go on the air, your phone will alert you. Uh, Mega Man Radio is going live. So uh, many ways to listen to us live. Archives for the podcast going up on many networks. Uh, we are no longer on YouTube live streaming because the censorship there has increased. Facebook is starting to cause problems too. But it's okay. Uh, we can now talk about anything we want without worry 
for our podcast. And then I do have a YouTube channel 7. And that's just going to be for posting uh, episodes of our TV program after the year. Uh, we are doing a TV program worldwide on the Word Network every Thursday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll be airing tomorrow. I've got an interview, prog- excuse me, a program coming up, rather, a teaching program with Deborah Vells, who'll be on the Word Network tomorrow, episode 8. Hope you enjoy these. And uh, again, go to my website, megamanradio.com. You can get all this information. If you'd like to support the program, and I want to thank those that have, you can do it right there as well. We also have Cash App. Praise the Lord. Got a new way to support the program. If uh, you would like to do that, God puts it on your heart. Uh, we are listener supported, so every bit helps us to keep going. That's all I got to say about that. Love you all. Let's take a break. We'll be back um, at, uh, let's see, did I say? Uh, yes, yes, excuse me. We'll be back at 8 p.m. Eastern. It's already 7.07. Okay. I got a few things to do here, and uh, we'll see you back here at the top of the hours. Kick off tonight's broadcast. Sound good? See you in a bit.